following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Welcome to another session here at the KickPod Dojo. I am your host slash sensei, TJ Williams, giving the insight of my martial arts journey, discussing and analyzing martial arts-based subjects, and also highlighting martial artists of all styles, past, present, and future. All right, so I hope everybody had a new year, happy new year. Of course, I have a um, good new, new year's eve because I spend most of the time in front of TV watching Cobra Kai. Which oh yeah, is wonderful. Yeah, that was a that was definitely a good season. But I'm not going to ruin it for everybody because I know most of the world don't have Netflix yet. But once you see the season, you'll be asking for the next season. That's right. All right. And lastly, I like to um offer offer my condolences. Um, of course, it's been um trending for all um all day yesterday, and of course today we um lost the pioneer in the entertainment business. Um, Betty White. We was hoping that she would have made it to 100 years old. We was only two weeks away. But yet we could still celebrate her birthday, but really we could celebrate her life um, of entertainment. But, you know, not to think negative, but we always got to think positive, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. All right. So let me introduce you to my guest for this week. Um, he's from Moore Park, um, California. He's the CEO and founder of Moore Park um, Karate and Krav Maga. And also he's a podcaster as well as a professional wrestler. May I introduce you to Master Jason Flame. How are we doing today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. It's an honor to be on the show. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's really nice to find somebody that has like three qualities. I mean, podcaster, martial artist, professional wrestler. Oh, definitely. We're going to get into professional wrestling later in the show, though. But, yes, sir. Okay. Sounds so, good. Yeah, so we're going to get into like a time machine. Let's just say DeLorean style. Okay. I mean, definitely flex capacitor, 88 miles per hour, uh, 1.21 gigawatts of electricity, and we're going to be set to go to the past. So we're going to go way in the beginning of your life. Uh, so the first question is, describe yourself how you were before martial arts. Yeah, for sure. So uh, again, my name is Jason Flame, and thank you, TJ, for having me today. Super excited to share my story with you all. Um, you know, it's funny. I started martial arts when I was 10 years old, so I don't really remember a lot. I, I don't have a lot of memories uh, before martial arts, uh, especially with other activities. Um, I didn't really play sports growing up. Um, my, my family loved to go to Pismo Beach here in California. And uh, we would go to the dunes and go riding quads and ATCs. And uh, uh, my earliest memories is me, uh, pictures of me in a dune buggy when I was like months old. So that was, you know, my dad grew up riding Harleys. And and so uh, we were really into uh, being out in the dunes and riding. So that was a lot of fun. Oh, so you could say you're, you're pretty active when you're a kid. Yeah, I think I was, I think we were active, you know. Um, I grew up, you know, I was born in the 70s and grew up in the 80s. And, you know, growing up in the 80s, man, we, we would just go outside and play, right? I mean, that's yeah. not something that's not something that uh, even my own kids who are 19 and, and 16, you know, they didn't really grow up playing outside. So, you know, my I have two younger brothers. Uh, we love playing outside. We were super active. Uh, we were pretty rambunctious. And I think that, you know, may have been one of the things that led us to martial arts. It's funny that you brought up the uh, the Cobra Kai series, you know, right right around the time that I started martial arts was when the original Karate Kid came out. And, um, you know, I remember my mom saying, you know, we're going to go we're going to go to a class. And I said, well, what, what, what are we going to do? She said, well, I'm going to take you to do a karate class. And I, I, I really didn't know what karate was other than like what the, what I saw on the karate kid. So uh, so I actually started martial arts um, at 10 years old. My mom was the, the whole inspiration. She wanted to do martial arts uh, when she was a child. Her parents wouldn't let her do martial arts. Um, a, I don't think they wanted her to do martial arts uh, because they they saw the fighting. Uh, but I think they also thought that you know she was a girl and girls don't do karate, which <laughs> I, I think is silly because both my my wife and my daughter are both black belts now, and I've 
trained and, and learned from so many uh, powerful and great women. So, um, so my mom just, you know, she had this, you know, urge to get me into martial arts and she signed me up. And about six weeks later, I think my, uh, my brother, Justin started after that. And then my youngest brother, Jacob also followed us and, and signed up for martial arts and, and both my brother and I own martial arts schools here in Southern California. Oh, awesome. I mean, I kind of envy you, man. I, I was born like after the, um, when, um, uh, cry kid came out. I mean, I was born in 85. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was pretty much born in, towards the end of the year of um eighty five, so right. so that was um. But I actually got to see the movie. I mean, that pretty much got me like inspired to, to do martial arts. You no, know, other than that, you know, you got other movies and mm-hmm. of course, video games got me into doing martial arts. So definitely, I'm a big gamer. Well, yeah. old school gamer, right? Yeah. yeah, and definitely, I have to um agree with you. One thing, like majority of my life, I will spend time playing outside because that's pretty much the only thing we could do years ago when we were kids. Mm-hmm. But you know, but now like technology has taken over. It's like it's like tablet. People want to be on their tablets, watch TV. You know, that's just well, not to say that it's totally gone, but we are kind of trying to get back to going back outside. Yeah, I I think you know the. Um technology right you know we grew up we grew up in the 80s and and playing video games right you know yeah. um video games were fun to play but we still we still wanted to get outside um i i think that you know all the kids that have the phones and the tablets and all the devices these days um you know it's not really much more of a distraction i think that the emphasis on you know that fear of missing out is what you know glues people to their phones and to social media in general. And it's, it's, man, it's kind of tough. You know, I have again, a 19 and a 16 year old and I've watched them, you know, grow up through their teen years and the struggles that they faced, you know, because of, uh, because of the social media, because of that easy access to, uh, to technology. But, you know, in a lot of ways it's, it's great. I mean, look at what we're doing right now. How could we do a podcast online when you're in Niagara Falls in New York and I'm, I'm out here in Moorpark, California, we're literally on the opposite ends of the country. And here we are able to do this. So, you know, there's a, a lot of positives to it. You know, we all just faced uh, COVID um, and the challenges with that. And I'm not sure how it's going in your area, but um, you know, for us, there, there was, there was the shutdowns, there was not being able to do in-person training and thank God for uh, technology. Thank God for being able to get online and get on Zoom and, and continue to teach our martial arts and spread, you know, the benefits and the value of what martial arts has to offer. Yeah, yeah I can say that it was difficult with COVID shutdown. You know, most people lost their jobs or they got laid off temporarily. Well, I was one of the few that got laid off temporarily, but luckily it was only two months. Mm. But, but luckily for the two months that I was laid off, I was be able to actually start this podcast. So, I'm like going at two years right now doing this podcast. So it's wonderful that that COVID shutdown gave me an opportunity because it gave me an opportunity to do a lot of things. I mean, I want to get back to um, working out. I never had much opportunity to work out because um, I was always working um, like um, long shifts and um, work for like 40 hours a day. So that was really pretty much um, kind of not like um, slow down my workout routine, but you know, i felt like I didn't want to work out. Like I didn't want to wake up and do my workout routine. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So of course you pretty much killed two birds, one stone, you know, you got the first question and you got the second question. I mean, the second question was, uh, what was your push? You said that's your mom, that she yeah. pushed you in martial arts. Yeah. Right. So what was your first lesson? Like, can you describe that? Man, my first lesson, you know, I, again, this is in, I, I started martial arts in 1985. Uh, there's a lot of things that I remember about not just that first day, but kind of like, you know, getting started. Uh, number one, uh, walked into class to one of the biggest men I've ever seen in my life. His name is Jeff Washington, just a, a really powerful looking dude and, and super intimidating. He was the first person that, that he, he taught the first class that I actually took. And then I come back and, um, uh, you know, the, my, my instructor, Dennis Ichikawa, is a much shorter Japanese man, right? Very uh, soft-spoken until he wanted to, you know, pull that energy out of you, right? And he was very, he, he, even though he was much smaller, still had that commanding presence. Um, I remember a lot about the instructors um, when I started. And, and just, I still go back to that room because it was in a recreation center. 
and and it was just a small little room. I remember, um, I can remember the colors, you know, oranges and yellows, and the the pictures that were on the wall. Those things are just kind of ingrained in my memory. And, and on the floor, you know, we'd have to roll out, uh, well, fold out the mats uh, before every class. So I remember, you know, helping out doing that. Um, I remember the smell of the uniform. It's so weird that I remember that, but I remember taking the uniform out of the package and smelling that. And it's funny because every now and again, I'll get that same smell as I'm giving a new uniform to a, a new student. And it just brings me back. Uh, it's just something about it. I can't even explain it. Um, but yeah, it was, um, you know, I loved it. I just, I thought it was the coolest thing ever, especially when I, you know, watching Karate Kid and I was always a Johnny fan, by the way, you know, yeah. I, I thought Johnny was like the coolest dude ever, even though he was the bad guy. And you, we'll talk about professional wrestling a little bit, but I always loved the heel. I yeah. hmm. look like I lost him a little bit. Yeah. Can you still hear me? Hello? Yeah, I must have lost them. Hmm. Oh, while we waiting for us, I kept back. I got lost them a little bit. So, uh, well, yeah, he was talking about um, his oh, good friend, uh, EJ Bucant. Um, you know, he was he was a blue belt when I when I started training, and and he was one of the assistants. And he would walk around. We did this thing where you be laying on your back and your legs out six inches off the floor, and they'd step on your stomach. Oh, kind of old school stuff. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, you know, I, I remember that. And he and, and it's awesome because he trains here at our school now, and his son is getting ready to test for his black belt. So um, yeah, a lot a lot of really really good memories going back. You know, starting out in martial arts. Yeah, my my pretty much can remember my first day. I mean, of course, um, I started. Of course, when I was eleven eleven years old, and um, of course, I started with a cold. I mean, it's like often when you're sick, you don't go like to do anything. But you know, it was like this is my first class, so I wouldn't want to miss it. And you know, of course, it was during winter. Of course, that's why I got the cold. But I can really remember when I was um, I didn't get my uniform yet. I was just wearing my jogging pants and shirt, and you know, here I am learning my first lesson. And I can mm-hmm. I can still remember my first um instructor. He he still trains, luckily, but of mm-hmm. course I'm ahead of him um th- three degrees. I'm a fourth degree, and he's still first degree. He haven't tested for mm-hmm. at least the 25 years I've um known him. <laughs> but yeah, it was we, it was we know a few of those. That's and you know what? It's interesting. I can I can remember uh, a first degree black belt who who never tested. His name was Ken Knight, and uh man, this dude was he just had this commanding presence and he was just super tough but like he never tested he you know everybody you know passed him up but man everybody looked at him with a lot of respect because you know he was the old timer he was he was the vet he was the guy that was that was there all the time so you know still a lot of respect for him even though he didn't test uh, all right so of course uh, what was your mindset after the first class you say you um you want to be a black belt or are you just like i want to learn more yeah you know again being being 10 years old i don't know that i thought about being a black belt right away. I don't know if that was like my immediate goal. I just wanted to learn some, some cool stuff. Um, I was, I actually, because of karate kid was, was interested in tournaments. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to compete because again, I didn't play baseball. I didn't play soccer. I didn't play basketball, didn't play football, didn't play any sports, uh, before the time I was 10 years old and started martial arts. As a matter of fact, my mom went to sign me up for a flag football league. And I remember, um, we're getting ready to go to tryouts and, you know, it wasn't really tryouts. Like I was going to get cut or not make the team. It was just, they wanted to see how you do. So they put you on the right team. But I remember, I remember crying so hard and so bad and told my mom, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Just please don't make me do it. And I I remember that vividly because um, I kind of wish that she would have pushed me and made me do it and not let me get out of it. But at the same time, if she would have, I may not have um, had that passion or developed, you know, such a love for martial arts. Um, But when I did get into martial arts, you know, I wanted, I wanted to compete. I I thought it would be really cool to go to tournaments and, um, you know, I love sparring, but I love forms. I always did, you know, mm-hmm. it was always both. I was not a, I was not a fighter per se. And I wasn't just your forms guy. Um, our instructor always put a, a, a very even balance on both of them. And I thought that every time I went to a tournament, it was important to do both. Um, so yeah, you know, I just, I, I really wanted to get into the tournaments. It wasn't until much, 
much later because I had some breaks in my training, um, short breaks, but uh, for different reasons. And, and so it took me from the time I was 10 and I didn't get my black belt until I was 17. And, and that made for a lot of people that, well, that's kind of normal length, but you know, really in our system and uh, we, we also practice Tong Sudo and uh, in Tong Sudo, you know, if you, if you test every three months, you know, it could have been three, three and a half years to get my black belt, but uh, had some, had some breaks, moved to a different school, uh, came back to my school. And uh, anyway, so my original goal was not to get my black belt. It was more that I wanted to compete and I wanted to see what I could do with that. Well, okay. So yeah, I mean, of course, my goal was to get the black belt. You know, I think being a black belt felt powerful. I mean, it's like if you know, if you know the saying, if you're a black belt, nobody will mess with you. But you know, that's not the case. I mean, they don't care. I mean, I say this, like, it's always best to humble yourself and be praised later than to praise yourself, then be humble and be humbled later. Mm-hmm. I mean, just think about that. You know, I wasn't too busy. I was too busy trying to praise myself saying, here I am a black belt. Now, I mean, do you think I'm, do you think you could beat me? So, but like, as I grew up, it's like, you know, I'm not looking for praise. I'm just looking to be humble. Just, just get myself up there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and the fact that, um, I'm going to be getting a master ranking um, the next year, not this year, but next year. I mean, I'm looking forward to that. So for me, I'm just doing whatever they want me to do so I can get ready for it. Yeah, yeah. good for you. And it changes too, right? You know, it changes over time. You know, what I thought at 10 years old and what I thought at 20 and 30 and 40. And as I approach 50, you know, my, my mindset changes on what you know what the focus is and what's important when I have to prove myself when I really don't care what anybody else thinks you know uh, that mindset has really changed you know over the years yeah and you mentioned you were you like to compete so how many tournaments have you competed and like if you can make a count oh man um I there was a good run where I would compete um probably every every weekend or at least you know twice a month you know but the bottom line is like and just like you said being humble and being honest man i i i never i didn't win world championships i didn't uh uh i just like the competition i just like being out there as a matter of fact i went with a friend i visited a friend in in colorado kevin kowalsik uh revolution martial arts i went out and visited him and while i was there he said well hey we we got a tournament tomorrow do you want to go I'm like, man, I haven't been to a tournament in like 10 years. Like we just haven't, we just don't do a lot of competition now. And I remember walking into that tournament and just kind of sitting and watching. And he would kind of check on me. He's like, you good? You good? I'm like, dude, this is so like, I remember that energy of just like watching the rings, watching, watching the forms, watching the sparring, watching the weapons. And it was, it was so cool just to hang out. But, you know, my competition days, um, you know, I just, I, I, I win some, lose some, right. I mean, I, I don't really think that I have any records to, to, to brag about. Um, I think at, at one point uh, I was rated number one in continuous fighting. I think that was like back in, I don't know, 96 or something, something like that. And uh, I just like to compete. It wasn't, it, it I, I probably did hundreds of tournaments, but, but nothing really to speak of, uh, you know, it didn't, Tournaments didn't become really uh, uh, an accomplishment for me until I started coaching my students, because that's when my career as a competitor ended is when I opened my school and I started having my students compete. And I've had far more, uh, you know, joy and, and gratefulness for my students and their accomplishments in tournaments uh, than I ever did. So yeah, that's that. Yeah. I, I agree with that. you know, it wasn't all about winning for me. You know, I can think of all uh, my um, trip to Vegas this year. Um, of course the ITC, I mean, I've competed in um, Kata, which I already did. And it was the first time I competed in weapons. Cause I wanted to try to, um, I was trained with the Tafas. Uh, I haven't used like, I haven't seen like the Tafas used in competition. Like yet. I mean, I see bow staffs, swords, uh, size, um, nunchucks and like other weapons, but I never seen like nobody use a Tafa. So I say, why not, um, try doing a Tafa Kata? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I know it wasn't going to be the best, but you know, it's just me just trying it out. And when I think of the Tafas, I mean, I think of the big boss, man. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Oh, just funny story. Um, before uh, my, um, 
my um master instructor moved our um, location or moved our school to another location. I mean, he can't, he found like two PR 24s that I can like train with actual big boss, man, nightsticks. <laughs> I was like, yes, this is nice. something I always dreamed of having as a kid because of the big boss, man. <laughs> and I actually got two PR 24s that I can mess around with. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the Tonfos, you know, I, I had a student who did a, a design form for his black belt test and, and he used the Tonfos and, and it, it's a challenging weapon. I mean, it's a very hard style Japanese weapon. It, you know, if you watch it, uh, I think of uh, people like Tadashi Yamashita and uh, Fumio Demura, you know, you watch them doing it, it's just like amazing, right? It's, it's not what you would imagine. Like if you're thinking XMA, you know, but like that old school, traditional heart style. Super cool to watch, though. Oh, yeah. I think you mentioned like a black belt test. Uh, can you describe that, too? Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I tested. So I tested for black belt in 1991. Um, you know, we all sit back and talk about like the old days. But I think the guys in the 60s and 70s talked about their old days. And, you know, it was it was tough. It was it was it was brutal. Um, our testing is so different now than what it was then uh but i have you know a very deep appreciation for you know tradition and and what we did then i just think that we've kind of evolved and and changed um in my mind for the better you know when i tested for black belt um we had to do you know 12 forms and all our one steps and combinations and jump kicks and felt like you sparred forever um, you know, back then we, we hadn't really started grappling much, so we didn't really have a lot of ground fighting, uh, board breaking was like kind of the highlight because that was like in a lot of people's minds, sometimes that would make or break literally your, your test, right? So if you're having kind of a weak test and you just smash all your boards, you're looking pretty good. Or if you had, you know, kind of weak forms, but your sparring made up for it, you know, there's, there was all of that. Um, again, it was, it was very different because that test, it was uh, in Tarzana, California, at uh, Tarzana Karate. My instructor, Dennis Ichikawa, and our, our the panel of black belts that were there, too many to name, uh, on, a, on an August Saturday, which uh, the San Fernando Valley is like death in the summer. Uh, it, was, it, it was high 90s, probably closer to the hundreds. And, and it's just this, you know, it was kind of a small school packed in with a ton of people watching. I just remember just... I mean, I was dumping sweat. I was, you know, 17 at the time and in good shape, but I mean, I was just pouring sweat and it, it was a, it was a long test. It lasted all day. Um, you know, we would have to get there, you know, at eight o'clock in the morning. We probably didn't leave until four or five. And, and back then at the end of the test, whether we passed or not, uh, we didn't, we didn't receive our belt that day. We'd have to wait a week for a, for a belt presentation. So and that's, you know, again, something different than we do now. But uh, I think one of the things that I don't remember that day, but I remember just kind of the, the process I know of, of how black belt testing went is that, you know, you'd have your panel of black belts go in a back room and basically deliberate on whether you passed or failed. And one of the things that uh, that I was guilty of is that, man, I, if you failed a form or you didn't key up in, in a certain like. We, you were just done. It, it, it was, it was so, so brutal um, in the way that we weren't really thinking of, of uh, the impact that that would have on someone's confidence level or what it would do to them in the, you know, the trajectory of their training. You know, some people would just want to get their black belt and hurry up and quit. And, and some people would fail their test and quit because of that. Or, you know, it was just such a different, different mindset now. And again, a lot of good came out of it because I think that I and, and all the people that I earned my black belt with, you know, we held ourselves to such a high standard. I mean, we, we knew, I mean, we, we feared that failing a test. And I think that that's kind of lost on students, but on the flip side, I think what we do now is a little bit more physically demanding. We, you have to pass four tests in order to, uh, to earn rank or to earn the opportunity to promote. And uh, the tests are, three three and a half hours of uh, lots a lot more a lot more fitness even than than we ever had so yeah but um i I remember the feeling of earning my black belt and having my black belt tied on the very first night um it it just it was an overwhelming amount of pride you know for hard work you know it was it was one of the first things i think in my life 
that I looked at and I, that I did that, you know what I mean? Um, I had never played sports before, like I said, <clears throat> so I didn't know what it was like to win. Right. I mean, I earned, you know, I earned my belts along the way to get to black belt, but that was like, that was a big deal to me. I think honestly, I think earning my black belt was more important to me at that point than graduating high school. Oh, I just, yeah. it, to me, it just didn't, you know, the, my, my black belt and my martial arts education was more important than what I was doing in school. Cause I, I knew at that point when I earned my black belt that I was going to open a school and that I was going to be an instructor. Oh, definitely. I, I have to hundred percent agree with you, but everything you said is pretty much the same thing. My master instructor tells me about like a black belt test and pretty much the story that you told me pretty much is similar to like when I went my first degree and the story of my first degree is I did my first degree test after I did a football game. Mm. And this, it was a day after the football game that um, I did my black belt test. And I'm hoping I was hoping for the football game. I didn't get injured, but, you know, I could have backed out of the football game. But, you know, it was like my last year or my last time being playing football because I was a senior. And, mm-hmm. yeah, you talk about you getting your black belt at, at the day you gra- or should I say that's the year you graduated or it was slightly be yeah it was it was slightly before oh okay, yeah so that's the same way thing with me i got my black belt before i graduated high school so mm-hmm. that was the best moment for me and you know the thing that i was worried about during that test is like of course i well when i was playing football did get hurt but one thing that happened after that test is like i got ripped pants and the biggest cramp in the world hmm. yeah I mean, I should have drunk enough water or did get some like bananas. But, you know, after I got out of that car, after I got my test, oh, that's the test. I actually got my black belt. And yes. from that, from the time I got my first degree, I mean, I haven't changed my belt and my, my belt looks like it's gray now, which means I'm looking at like almost 16 years. I've been the first <laughs> got my black belts. You know, I just thought of a funny story, actually, that I'll share with you is I have a student uh, so if, if we get this posted up and, and my students get to see this, Ryder Arnold, if you're watching this, uh, he tells me, Master Flame, my belt is tearing. It's ripped. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's all, look, it has like these little wear marks, you know, from tying it. Yeah. I said, oh, that's the good stuff. I said, that's what you want. I said, you want your whole belt. I said, not your red belt. But when you get your black belt, you want your black belt to look just like that. Right. And so uh, so I went home that night. And I, cause I usually, ha- I have a belt that I wear when I teach. And then I have a belt when I wear, when I train my original black belt kind of sits, uh, you know, so save that for a special time. So I brought that belt. I brought, that was my first black belt. I brought it in and it's tattered. Just like you said, tattered, it's gray. Like if you pull it too tight, it's probably going to break. And so I, I asked him, I said, Ryder, so what do you think of this belt? I said, this is, this is what you want. You got to wear that thing out, wear it out. It's break it in. <laughs> So he, he, he kind of looked at it funny for a second, but then hopefully, hopefully he gets it. I know, I know after, you know, years later, it's so funny because you teach kids all these, these lessons, right. And they don't get it at first. And then in 10 years, they come back to you. Like, now I know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. So, oh, let's get to the professional wrestling. All right. So when, when did you start doing pro wrestling? (laughs) Oh, it's so you know, every time I talk with people too, you know, like the professional wrestling is what really seems to, we all grew up in, you know, watching Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage, the ultimate warrior, yeah. you know, uh, my favorite, like the British Bulldogs. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I, I started, um, I started professional wrestling at 38 years old. Uh, so this is, you know, just, just under 10 years ago. Um, and there's kind of a backstory that goes along with it. And I, and at this point, just so we're clear, um, you know, I, I list that on, on my, my resume only because I'm so proud of the fact that I got to do it. Um, I haven't had a wrestling match in over a year. COVID, you know, kind of took a lot of opportunity away. And, and I, I mean, I don't want to say it's my age or it's my body or anything. I think it's just life has pulled me away from it more than anything else. Um, but I, you know, I got involved in professional wrestling through, um, through someone that actually came into my karate school, uh, a guy named Barry Cohen. Uh, he comes in my karate school and, and he's asking if I want to promote the martial arts school. And I say, sure, I'm always looking for ways to promote the school and get new students. Uh, what do you got? He's all, well, we have this event coming up at the Boys and Girls Club in Simi Valley. Um, it's, a, it's a professional wrestling event. I'm like, really? 
And he's like, yeah, we have, you know, we, we do shows once a month. And I'm like, man, I would love to. I grew up a huge fan, love professional wrestling. Uh, let me, let me show up. And so I show up and we set up a booth. We have a table, put our banner up and everything. And we're handing out flyers. And um, Barry introduced me to the owner, uh, Paul, uh, better known as Logan X, uh, the owner of MPW. He, you know, he comes up, introduces himself, you know, kind of real quick. And, and we get to know each other over a couple shows. And at one point he asked me, he's like, you know, what do you, what do you think about getting in the ring? And I said, man, I, I, I've wanted to do that literally my entire life. So just to kind of go back a little bit, when I was in my early 20s, you know, I, I, so I, I got involved in martial arts, earned my black belt at 17, uh, opened my school at 19, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I always had this, you know, the, the karate school was my career. It was, it, was, it was my only job. It was my only source of income. I didn't, I didn't do anything else. But I always thought in the back of my head, like, I would love to be, you know, a professional, I would love to go to the WWE, right? Which I, looking back now is so silly, but that would, that would have been the coolest thing ever for me. Right. And so I started kind of getting serious about it, started working out real hard, gaining some weight. Um, I was already, you know, active through, through martial arts. So, so I hit up this guy um, that was part of a school, uh, UPW and, and, I said, well, how do I get involved? How do I come train at this school? Uh, send in an application and, you know, whatever, and send me pictures. We go back and forth. And this was before email. This was literally through U.S. mail that we had to do this. Oh. And so so I go down to this school. And, and this UPW is a school. Ultimate Pro Wrestling is where John Cena trained. And, oh, and, yeah. and, and, and a lot of other people. But most, most people are going to know who John Cena is, right? Yeah. And so... I go down to the school with a friend, long story short, I walk in and I watch them training and I'm looking at myself and I'm looking at them and I'm like, these guys are big, like, and these guys are strong. And, and so someone comes up to me and I don't remember who it was at the time. And he said, so, uh, you here to train today? I said, no, I'm just here to watch. So I totally like built up all the courage to go and do this thing and totally just chickened out, right. Clammed up, couldn't couldn't do it. And so I watched for like a few minutes and, and literally walked out and drove home. And I was all psyched about going. And then I just, it was like all the air came out of it. I, I don't know why. So flash forward 20 years and I meet Barry and he says, you know, Hey, come to the show. And then introduce me to Paul. And Paul says, Hey, you want to start training? And I'm like, absolutely. Absolutely. I definitely want to get involved. I want to train. Uh, this seemed, you know, because it wasn't the WWE, this was uh, a local indie uh, promotion that that I felt like I could contribute, you know, be a part of. You know, I'd watch the shows, and uh, I just thought it was something that I could do at that at that time. And so I started training. And uh, my the first day I walk in, I I meet the trainer, uh, Seth Skyfire was his was his name as he wrestled in in OVW and uh, WWE developmental territory, and and uh, Steve Adkins was was my coach, and I remember him taking me in. And, and most of the wrestlers hated me or didn't want to like me because I'm a karate guy. Right. I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not one of the guys. I'm not a wrestler. So yeah. like, who does he think he is? And uh, a lot, a lot of people gave me some, uh, you know, a little bit of grief and kind of wanted to see what I was made of. And there are a couple of times where, you know, you just kind of have to show people what's up. And uh, I, you know, I trained for almost, I want to say four months and they're like, all right, you're, you're going to have your first match. And I'm like, mm. what? I was like, that, that's just not even possible. Right. Anyway, um, you know, gotten, got involved with that. And, and then the school closed and I was super bummed because I had only had like three matches. Um, my, my last match before the school closed, um, I took a, a, I took a bump that I shouldn't have taken, uh, took a move that, I, I just wasn't ready for or whatever. And I dislocated my shoulder uh, on the very last show, you know, the, the going out of business show. I was so bummed that I had to end up in the hospital uh, getting my shoulder put back into place. And as soon as we got back in the car and I'm, I'm like back, I asked my wife, I'm like, can we drive back to the show just to see the end of the show? She's like, you're out of your mind. So, <laughs> so we went home, but I kept in touch with all the guys. And, uh, and then we brought, we brought the school to my area here in Moore Park, and I had this this building where my martial arts school was, and then about you know six doors down or so, there had an empty unit, 
and I called up Paul and I said, Hey, Paul, I want to, I think we can get, get the school going again here. Can we, can we bring the ring here and run some classes? So we did that. And, um, and then I met a guy, uh, a kid named Danny, uh, Danny Cleary, better known as Danny Devine in, in MPW. Uh, an amazing, amazing. I mean, I call him a kid cause he's, you know, almost 20 years younger than me, but, uh, become one of my best friends. Uh, he's doing amazing. You can, I mean, if you look him up, go you know, on YouTube anywhere, Danny Devine, the Devine brothers, um, these guys are amazing. And so, you know, I get together with Danny and we start this, um, beginner's course. Um, so I start, you know, just like martial arts, I go from being a kind of a competitor and, and being in the ring to doing training because that's just what I love to do and teaching. Yeah. And so, um, and then, and then we started running shows in Park every single Friday. So at that point, um, I, I started wrestling again. Um, and I wrestled about a hundred matches and in, in most people's minds, uh, that's nothing. I mean, a lot of the guys I know are 500 plus matches, right? I mean, but I wrestled over a hundred matches, um, over, over the course of my career, if you'll call it. Um, but then the school, you know, shut down and moved again and, and then COVID and all that stuff. So, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun, you know, pro wrestling is, is still, uh, I, I still consider myself to at least be able to, to call myself that, um, because I had the experience, um, but I'm not active. I am not looking to pursue, uh, any, you know, I never had any delusions at 38 and I'm 47 now never had any delusions of going, you know, above and beyond, uh, what was there. So it was, it was a really good run. I had a lot of fun. I made some amazing friends again, you know, Danny, um, uh, super, super great guy. He's, he's our youth pastor here, uh, at our church as well. And so I, I, I just love the guy, you know, and he, he, he sparked something in me when it came to professional wrestling that, uh, that I didn't have before that, you know, so it was, it was a very unique experience. Yeah, definitely. That was a really wonderful story. I mean, it kind of reminds when I started, you know, I started when, um, of course me and my friends were go over to a show in Canada. I mean, my, childhood friend or should I say my um grade school friend he would go over there and train and actually um wrestle and then like I kind of made a promise to myself if I say if I pass my third degree plaque belt test mm-hmm. I would go to train but you know I failed my third degree and of course I just, I just went training anyway it's like I started um surprisingly I started on the anniversary of Eddie Grill's death mm-hmm. and then of course um this was around when I was um 28 or 29 you know, mm-hmm. I, I trained for a year, you know, I um did a couple practice matches and then the, I did my first match. Um, I was um going to a show in um Oshawa, Canada. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I didn't even have a car back then. So I um I walked across the bridge and then one of the guys I trained with um drove with me and um he picked up another guy that was um the promoter of the show. Mm-hmm. And surprisingly, here's a funny story that he told me that the, the ring that they was going to use for the show got stolen. So of course um, they had to get a smaller ring, and um, of course um, you know, I was pretty much wrestling in the big ring because um, I guess that's what I was doing. But you know, a ring is a ring. I mean, if it's about big or small, but you know, I that anyway. Um, that was like my first show, my first match. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly, I worked, I had to wrestle twice that night. I had to wrestle a regular match, which I won by disqualification, <laughs> and then the next match I was put into like a street fight. And I wasn't even training doing street fights. So like everybody else is getting smashed with um like um chairs and um fiberglass or even boxes. But I got like the pleasure of getting hit by Tupperware. Plastic <laughs> Tupperware. I mean, but it was a wonderful experience. I mean, um, from there I would use um I would um go back to the States and train and I would have matches. And of course, um I picked up a tag partner. Of course, and he's starting to get big in midget wrestling with um short sleeves um Samson. I mean, he started doing that. You know, me and him are like um good tag team partners. We call ourselves the arcade heroes. And so <laughs> so far, we um two promotions we um captured um the tag team championship. And like next next week, we're going to a promotion in Pennsylvania, um Altoona, um Eclipse Wrestling. We're going to um wrestle a tag the tag team champions there. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is our second opportunity. I mean, that's getting tag team champions, but I mean, I'd be surprised if I do win that um day, that day, but you know, that'd be a number three of getting a tag team champion. 
Yeah. But, well, the the world of professional wrestling is is definitely a, a quirky and unique culture. Uh, you know, a lot of things I love about it, a lot of things I, I didn't love about it. Uh, but in the end, lots of really good memories. And, you know, I think uh, I think it's something that will always be a part of me for sure. Yeah, especially a lot, a ton of seminars. You know, I, I can count how many seminars I took from actual guys that um actually trained. You know, of course, I can name a couple Al Snow, um, mm-hmm. Sunjay Dunt, um, of course, um, Cassius Ono, and, you know, surprisingly, um, TJP, or yeah, and um, one, one, of, one of the few, few people I can think of right now, of course, he's in AEW, um, Sean Spears, which he mm-hmm. also trained in Canada in the same school that I went to. And I could still feel his headlock. I mean, <laughs> here he is doing a seminar and I become the recipient of his headlock. And I can still feel it to this day. Yeah. Good yeah. times. All right. So we're almost to the um the close closing of our event or our car ride in the sure. past. But well, here's um we're just gonna make a little stop, a little detour to um the hidden dojo. So this is like um kind of like um series of questions I ask to our guests. And uh-huh. um, I want you to enter it to the best of your ability. Sure. All right. So the first stop would be, what's the best advice you ever gotten? You know what? Um, I, I'm going to go back to to my parents and and just as far back as I can remember, as far back as I can remember, my parents always believed in me. And they always told me that I could do anything, anything I wanted as long as I believed in myself and they told me that they would believe in me and they would always support me. So when it came to opening a martial arts school, when it came to uh, decisions that I made in life, you know, I always kind of go back to that. Um, You know, my mom was the one that there was the, there was the big believer in her boys. You know, she always believed in us. And my dad was, was the one that, you know, as long as you put your head down and work, if you work hard, you, you can, you know, gain access to anything you want. So, you know, just, I, and then from there thinking of my parents, I always then, you know, currently kind of go to the rock, you know, and I know he's a, he's a wrestler, but like Dwayne Johnson, the fact that, you know, he says, uh, work hard, be humble, uh, be the hardest worker in the room, you know, that kind of mentality, uh, that sticks with me. Um, so that, that, I think that that's, Though between those three, and there's been so many other people that have given me great advice. So I know I'm skipping over a lot of people, but the fact that my my father taught me to work hard, and my mom told me that she believed in me, those two things together, I, I've carried that my entire life. Wonderful. It's always great to have your parents behind you. I mean, yeah, usually I have my mom. Like she's almost like pessimistic sometimes, but you know. You know, she always gave me that push to give, mm-hmm. keep giving my all. And, of course, my yeah. father, yeah, he was definitely the pusher, too, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, the worst advice you got. Worst advice? Oh, gosh. I can't think of anything that comes to my, comes to my mind that is the worst advice because I think no matter what someone tells me, whether it's good advice or bad advice, you know, something that I tell my students, when you watch people, you learn what to do or you learn what not to do, right? So even the bad advice that I've given, and I just really can't call anybody out and and nail one thing, but even the bad advice that I was given, because if I was given advice, I probably took it and tried it out. And uh, I, I learned a lesson from failure. So you know, that's, that's really all I can say there is that I, I don't know that I've ever really had any bad advice because even the bad advice I've learned from. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I'm not doing any dives through the ropes no more. My feet got <laughs> caught. I mean, I'll jump, I'll jump over the ropes, but not, uh, I'm not going to do no dives through the ropes. Right. <laughs> all right. So how would you reward yourself? I kind of call this the guilty pleasure. Well, I mean, I love to eat. So like, food is my guilty pleasure. Um, I'm a, any of my students know that if, if I, if I'm having a good, if I'm having a bad day or if they want me to have a good day, they just bring me a bunch of Reese's peanut butter cups. Uh, anything with chocolate and peanut butter is, uh, is my go-to, but yeah, I think my guilty pleasure is, is eating out and going, you know, going somewhere good. Cause I always think to myself, if I'm going to 
reward myself. I, I kind of like to reward myself with something good. So like, I love to go to a good steakhouse, uh, Texas day, Brazil, or something like that. Uh, those are some of my favorites. Cause like all you can eat steak can't go wrong. Yeah. I definitely, I definitely eat like a horse. So, but I know I'm going to burn off cause you know, I'm already a fitness instructor, so I have no excuse of not going to work out. Right. 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 <laughs> all right. What famous movie would you want to be in? Oh man. Famous movie that I would like to be in. Um, well, I kind of look towards the movies that are, that are some of my favorites. Um, and I'll, I'll list a couple. Um, I would say first is, is the Godfather or Goodfellas because I'm a huge mob fan. Uh, I have some Italian roots. Uh, my wife is a hundred percent Italian and, uh, uh, something about that movie like I would just kind of like to insert myself even if I was just like a back character just to kind of be part of that um, on the flip side uh, another one of my favorite movies is The Last Samurai with Tom Cruise uh, not not because of Tom Cruise although I think he did a pretty good job but like could you imagine being one of those samurai warriors back in that day and just yeah. like the whole deal um, I think that's kind of the 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 martial arts in me. And then I would think the third one that I'm just going to throw out there that, that comes to mind right away is, is the movie best of the best. Oh yeah. One of, one of, one of my favorite uh, martial arts movies of all time. Um, I, I just, it, to be in that moment, you know, the whole, the, the whole story, the training, I mean, come on, you got James Earl Jones, who's, who's Darth Vader, you know, in yeah. my mind, <laughs> you know, so you'd be with him. And then, you know, I don't know if you, the, the kid that's in the, 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 the son, of Eric Roberts, uh, yeah. Edon Gross. Yeah. Uh, he actually earned his black belt under my instructor. So I watched him kind of grow up and train. And then to see him in that movie was cool. But uh, best of the best. Yeah. So those three, I don't know, Godfather, Last Samurai, best of the best. Man, I'm, I'm a movie buff. I love all movies. There's there's so many movies that we could talk movies for an hour. I can tell you all about every movie. But uh, yeah, those, I'll, I'll, I'll leave those three for today. Well, definitely for me, call me crazy, but you know, since I have like the voice of James Earl Jones, I say Lion King for me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I could easily fool people with James Earl Jones voices. It's like if I was standing behind like um like a register or saying standing behind the door or even uh -huh. behind like a shelf, I could probably fool somebody thinking that James Earl Jones is in the building. And uh, that's what I could say. That's the one movie. And of course, yes, best of the best. Yeah, uh, that's some good movie. I've, I oh, think I've seen like three of the um the sequels. I mean, the first yeah. one, the second one, and the third one. Yeah. yeah. I forget about I forget about number two and number three. I just focus on number one. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. Secret talent. Secret talent. Um, secret talent. Well, I would like to think of myself as as someone that can, as a as a coach, as a mentor, is, that I can bring the best out of people. Um, even when they don't believe they, they can do it. And, and one of the ways that it's just, I don't know, over the years, you know, board breaking has always been one of my favorite parts of, of martial arts. And uh, because there is kind of a, they're not kind of, there is a science to it, right? And I've watched children break boards and adults break boards. And it goes back to the being able to get someone to do something that they don't think they can do, but I believe enough in them and I can tweak their technique or man, I've even kind of tweaked how I hold the board or give it a little push or something. Right. Um, so getting people to break boards when they don't think they can, but ultimately getting people to do things that they don't think they can um, and, and being able to give them the, the motivation and give them the confidence to be able to do it. Yeah. I probably would say your hidden um, talent would be like a uh, like commentator because, you know, you of course you were in the professional wrestling, of course, and then you do cry. You may I could see you probably doing color commentating. <laughs> you know, I, I always kind of thought of that. I, I tried it once. I'm a terrible commentator uh, on, on professional wrestling uh, because as much as I love it and as much as I was able to do it, um, there was a part of it that I just this is one of the things that that I wish that I would have spent more time on is I didn't have a head for wrestling the way that some of my friends did. Um, so I didn't get, I didn't get the story all the time. I didn't get the spots. I didn't, you know, it just didn't click together really easily for me. Um, but yeah, commentating is not my thing, but, uh, 
being on interviews and, and being on screen and, and interviewing other people, I could do that all day long. I love it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right. Dream celebrity encounter. Oh, that's easy. It's gotta be the rock. Oh yeah. I mean, if, if I, so I haven't, I haven't had the encounter yet, but I would love to have the encounter. Um, just, just five minutes. Well, okay. So I have had two different encounters with him, I guess you could say, but it's not like we shook hands and introduced ourselves, but, um, he was out here at gold's gym and he, he, I, I I'm on the, the treadmill or the elliptical or whatever. And he kind of jumps onto the one next to me and just starts warming up. Right. And he just kind of looks over casually like, Hey man, what's up? You know, super cool, super nice. Put his headphones on and, and worked out. That was cool. Uh, another time, actually, when my daughter was months old and his daughter was just a few months old, uh, he was having dinner with his mom and his daughter at a, at a restaurant uh, in our area. And he happened to be sitting over at the table uh, across from me. And there was not very many people in the restaurant that night. And I'm looking over and my wife's like, what are you looking at? And I'm like, that's the rock over there. And so uh, she's like, well, why don't you go over and say hi? And I'm like, well, he's eating. So I'm going to wait until. So he's all done eating. He got his check. He's done. He's just kind of hanging out. And I, I finally walk over uh, and I did introduce myself. Obviously never remember who I am, but uh, he held my daughter and we took a picture and it was back when we had flip phones. So the picture was on my flip phone. I never transferred it anywhere else. So oh, I don't have the man. picture, but uh, that was uh that was a cool one. Um, but if I could have, if I could have an interview with any celebrity, he would be my number one choice. I just want to get in his head and, and, and let him talk a little bit. Yeah. That'd be probably my celebrity encounter. Actually meet the rock, you know, definitely. I've read a lot of celebrities because I go to comic cons. Right. I mean, probably my top um, celebrity um, encounters is one of them. Probably majority of them is wrestlers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the last person I've met, like, uh, big is um, The Undertaker. Okay. And this was, uh, like, after he had this match um, with Goldberg in um, Saudi Arabia. So, yeah, this was around 2019, because I remember. Okay. And, mm-hmm. of course, um, I know one of um, the wrestlers that you put on your list that you wanted to um, interview is Hulk Hogan. I met him in um, my hometown. Nice. I mean, it was like, that was, like, my dream to actually meet him one day. It's like sure. I was I was a true Hulkamania back then. I used to dress <laughs> I used to dress up as him as Halloween. I still have the picture of me um actually in like a Hulk Hogan costume. Uh-huh. And then of course here I am like years later like he comes to Buffalo in a Comic Con and here right. I am standing in line. I got my tickets to actually get a photo op with him and here I am standing next to him mm-hmm. and it's like oh man this is amazing. I'm actually meeting my childhood hero mm-hmm. and. And now here I am, I'm kind of bragging about it. I kind of sent a picture to my mom because she know how how much I love Hulk Hogan. Right. And, you know, and she's like going crazy too. But, you know, that's, I'm pretty much with good with celebrities. And of course, one of the other celebrities you put was William Sapka. I met him too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, I made him bow to me because I was telling him this was like around when I got my fourth degree. And, you know, <laughs> and it was him and it was him and, um, um martin cove there too yeah yeah so so basically when it comes to cobra kai i met like all three of the um cast members oh nice yeah, yeah. nice very cool oh yeah and i see an easter egg and you, you was talking about um your school um mentioning the um cobra kai um well not to not to spoil it but yeah yeah, I yeah see. We, we, so, somehow somehow we came up in the top 10 on the on the dojo leaderboard so that was that was a total shock and surprise, as a matter of fact, because I get a text from one of the instructors at our school and she sends me a picture. She's all, our name is on the board in Cobra Kai. I'm like, what are you talking about? And so I look at the picture and it says more part karate. And uh, it was cool because at the top, I don't know if you knew, you know, it said extreme martial arts. And, and of course, that's kind of a nod to uh, Mike Chat, who his son was involved uh, in, in the series past. So, yeah, it's cool. It, it was pretty neat little easter egg yeah all right 10 years from now where do you see yourself man on 10 years for i see myself uh still teaching martial arts um still being active in in my community um i see my my kids off to college and and kind of doing their own thing and getting ready i hope at 
10, my daughter's 19. So 10 years, I think would be realistic or 10, 10 years. I could tolerate that. Uh, maybe be a grandpa. I don't know. Um, but man, I I'll tell you what, um, there's, there's a lot of things in martial arts that I will continue to, uh, stay attached to. Um, I, I'll always be a martial artist at heart. Um, I'll always continue to train and learn and, and teach, uh, whenever I can, you know, fortunately for me, my school is, uh, you know, has a great team of instructors and they run the majority of classes, but I always look for those opportunities to, to keep teaching. Uh, I'm looking forward to continuing the podcast series and meeting people like yourself and talking to, uh, you know, martial artists and professional wrestlers and, and just overall, you know, motivational people, people that inspire others, because I think that this world that we live in now has, has, uh, lost a little bit of that sparkle right I, I just think we need a little bit more positivity a little bit more uh a little you know not to sound cliche but you know, a little more love for one another and not so much division uh, yeah. social media has has created such a division uh politics has created such a division um i i, I would love to see myself being at least one of many that will continue to make positive changes and bring people together and not separate people yeah see that's the purpose that's the purpose of my podcast and of course that's good that's good that that, that i trained in martial arts of course we're part of the united fight arts federation mm-hmm. so the main word is united so with this was this podcast you know i want to spread the positivity of what martial arts is you know that's we've right. been we've been so against each other saying like this is the better martial artist style or this is the better martial artist i mean this, it's not about if you got the best martial arts style or you're the best martial artist. It's just like this is us united together and sharing our experience. I mean, we're not trying to be enemies. I mean, mm-hmm. we're just simply being friends. You know, if I was to visit your school right now, you know, I'm there just to train with you and not be like saying like this is how we do it. I mean, mm-hmm. this looks better, but mm-hmm. you know, it's me trying to enhance my 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 training. Like say, if I wanted to get ready for my fifth degree, which would be in 2023, I mean, it's good thing I don't have the test physically anymore, but you know, for that, I probably would go to your school and see if I could pick up something and then I can use it in my performance in front of Chuck Doris. Mm-hmm. So that was, so that's pretty much the, the, the aim toward my podcast. Good for you. Yeah. Keep it up, man. Keep it up. Keep doing oh, yeah. it. Oh yeah. I'm starting another podcast soon. Um, Of course, it's going to be geared toward my fitness yeah, because, you know, there's a lot of also negativity toward fitness, or at least people are going the wrong direction with fitness. So I want to mm-hmm. create that. Yeah. Well, good luck to you and wishing yeah. you all the best in 2022. Uh, I hope uh, hope I answered all your questions. And well, we got one kept more. Kept it interesting. Oh, one more? Yeah, we got we got bonus question. Bonus favorite, question. Favorite technique. Favorite technique. Elbow. <laughs> Good. Nice and simple. Boom. Keep it easy. Put them out. One and done. Yeah. I would say the Van Dam kick, but you know, I have to do a complete split to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you no, know, I used to do do a split. I mean, that was when I was young. This is before I did karate. I actually did a split. Yeah. Uh, like pretty much Johnny Cage style. <laughs> nice. Nice. All right. All right. So before we kind of um, close this off, I kind of want to um kind of end this um podcast with a little quote like kind of going toward the new year of course this is coming from david bowie it's, and then he says i do not know where i'm going from here but i promise it won't be boring so if, when i say that what do you think would um what do you think about that quote i i think uh you know keep keep life interesting try new things you know, have fun, spend time with your family and your friends and, and just enjoy life. Uh, awesome. All right. So thank you very much, um, Jason Flame, for joining me today. So definitely it's been a wonderful talk. All right. So I'm going to close this out. And um, definitely I hope you um, do well with your podcast, too. And hopefully I'll be a guest someday. Yeah. yeah, I'd love to have you. Love to have you. I'll, I'll I'll hit you up and we'll talk a little bit more about scheduling. But yeah, keep doing what you're doing. This is uh, just an amazing opportunity for people to uh, share their story and and spread, like you said, spread positivity. Uh, you know, keep people in, in the martial arts and in general uh, more united than divided. Uh, appreciate everything and thank you for having me on the show. 
All right. Thank you so much. All right. I'm going to do my little closing. For those who are just tuning into my show, uh, tune into my previous episodes on a BICBPRadio.com, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And I'll see you next time for a wonderful episode here at the Kickpot Dojo. This is your sensei, TJ Williams, bowing you out. Mm-hmm.